We welcome you to the Lord's house today. It is good to see you all, and we have come to unite our hearts and our voices in praise to the Lord. And let us do that. If you know Christ today, then let His joy and His worship, the worship of our God, be in your heart. We're going to begin with number 164. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. See the man of sorrows now. From the fight returned victorious. Every knee to Him shall bow. Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord. Praise to the Lord this morning that you've been singing with your hearts, and uh, let's bow, please, before Him now in prayer. Our loving God and Father, we come with rejoicing in our hearts today that we have had grace given to us to once more be in this house of worship and this place of prayer and of thanksgiving. Lord, we come today in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we know, Father, that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And we know that one day every knee will bow before Him and every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we ask today, Lord, that we all would be very much aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit and His help in our meeting. We know our Lord Jesus has promised that where two or three are gathered in His name, that He is one with us today. And so, Father, we come to give thanks. We come to present our praises. And we come, Lord, to ask for that very necessary power from the Holy Spirit to understand and to have the Word of truth applied to our lives. Lord, we know that we are called to be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. We are called to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because we know the days are evil. And as Peter reminds us that we are called to be holy as Christ is holy, and so, Father, that we might take that into our lives and not just let it be something that is a theory, not some doctrine, but, O oh God, it will be realized practically in our lives so that we will reflect the beauty and holiness of Christ to a very dark and sinful world. That when people look on our lives, Lord, they will see that we have been to Jesus, that we are in connection, in relationship with Him, and it makes a difference, Lord, in how we live, in how we speak, and where we go, and what we do. And I pray that the Spirit of God will be in us, and His power working through us, enabling us to be those living examples of the believers, that we might share our faith and our love, and the love, Father, that You have granted to us, that it will be seen in our lives. And so, Lord, we are thankful for each person gathered in this place today, and we're thankful for everyone who is joining us online, whether they are nearby or perhaps in another land. Father, bless them where they are as well. We know that our time of meeting in such a fashion is not in vain. It is not empty. Lord, we do not want to go through the motions of church services or the motions of just gathering out of a matter of habit or form. We pray, O oh God, for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon us, to reveal the things of Jesus from the Scriptures to our hearts so that we will grow in grace every day. We will grow in the knowledge of Him. For the knowledge of our God is the knowledge of the holy. And Lord, if any time in church history, if any time in our society we need to reflect that, it is today, Lord. For they have made void the law of God. The, the world is militantly opposed 
to Christ and to His Gospel. And therefore, Father, more so we want to be those good ambassadors, those good reflectors of Him who has saved us from our sin and from a lost eternity. O God, give us the joy, we pray, of our Savior in our hearts. And may there be refreshment and encouragement from the Scriptures to every one here today. Father, for any who are without Christ, unsaved, they have never been born again, speak today to their hearts and bring the gospel message and power to their heart. And I pray that they would come to taste and see that the Lord Jesus is good and He is their Lord and their Savior. Father, we do rejoice today for families that have been able to have little ones born into their homes again. And this is a great blessing. We're thankful for that. We pray for the Cleland family and the CU family that You would continue to bless them, Lord. And yet also there is a mixture of sadness. We pray for our brother Andre and the loss of his grandmother. We ask to comfort him. We think of, of Jonathan Wilson, too, and the loss of his mother, that You would help him, Lord, and bless their whole family. And so, Father, in the combination of joy and sorrow, we do rejoice with those that rejoice, and we, we grieve and mourn with those who are sad. Let us have the love of Christ in us all, and that love be echoed and mirroring through us, one to another. Let no root of bitterness, Lord, take seed and ground in our lives and in our congregation. Let the unity of Christ be in us and the love of the Lord be spread one to another. And let that joy be in our hearts today. So hear our prayers. Continue to be with us, Lord, remembering all who are faithfully proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ whether they are nearby or far off, bring salvation to the houses of God today. And Lord, we pray for our land, our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray that You would save them by Your divine and sovereign grace. We ask, Lord, they'd be turned from their dark ways to the light and liberty of Christ. And Father, have mercy upon those who are being persecuted today for righteousness' sake. Help them, encourage their hearts, and give them deliverances. So be with us now as we continue in our praise, for we give thanks today in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Let's please continue in our worship. We're going to sing a psalm, Psalm 47, and it's taken from Isaac Watts's rendition of this, and it really is dealing with Christ's ascension and His reign, and that's a great subject that we're going to be considering in our services today. So let's stand as you'll see the words, and it's a familiar tune to us, and let's praise the Lord this morning.
Amen. You may be seated. Let me ask the men in the sound room to put up verse 4 for us again, please, just for a moment. You know, Isaac Watts, in his, well, great compendium of hymns and of the psalms that he put to words so that we could sing them, and he often and brought so many times out the, the New Testament themes of Christ and of the work of our Lord, and he brought them out from the Psalms with great power and clarity, and it's a blessing for us. And I was thinking about, as we're singing, and I was considering verse 4 in my mind again, he said, rehearse his praise with awe profound. In other words, let the glory of the Lord that is due His name, let that be very much a part of our worship. You know, sometimes we have to be rebuked as Christians, as believers, because we come to the house of God, we approach the aspect of our praise and our worship, but we're tired. We're a bit slow. We're, well, lacking in zeal, maybe. Maybe mind is distracted by other things. But all friends, how important it is, brothers and sisters, that we consider what we are about. That we consider the worship of the Lord our God. And that as we have this opportunity, and you in the congregation have the opportunity of entering in in your public praise of our God. Sometimes we are, well, rightly critical of the contemporary music industry. And I call it an industry because that's really what it is. It's big money, big business. When you have to pay large money to go to these concerts of these Christian artists and they fill stadiums, and they think it's great praise and worship to God. It's a huge money-making operation. Don't forget that. But on the other hand, think of this. The words of verse 4. Rehearse His praise with awe profound. Let knowledge lead the song, nor mock Him with a solemn sound upon a thoughtless tongue. How many times have we been guilty of that? We come to sing with a solemn note. We come and all the tune is correct and right. And we want to worship the Lord, but is the heart dead inside? Is it cold? What we give to the Lord, is it that which is from a heart that is on fire and in love for Him and for our Lord? Believer, let us never, never be charged with such a thing that we come with all the things set up in the right order. The boxes are all checked off in our worship. But yet the heart is far, far away. What kind of worship is that? That is not the right worship that we give to our Lord. No, we come and we want to come to magnify His name. We want to come to adore Him. We want to come to lift up all that is within our being and our soul to, to the glory that is due unto His name. So, let us never mock Him with a solemn sound upon a thoughtless tongue. Let us worship the Lord with all of our mind, 
all of our heart, all of our spirit, all of our being. And then the Lord will receive that from our hearts which He well deserves. We're going to read in our Scriptures this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm glad to see you turning to your Bible. It's good that you bring your Scriptures to the house of God and open and read and follow the best that you can. And it's good to be attentive to God's Word. And so, as we're thinking about lifting our voices to the Lord with true hearts and solemn thinking, well, let that be nothing less than we come to read the Scripture. Let's be settled, let's be still, and let's hear the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, his body, in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us His Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, as that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent go in front of them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. May God bless His own precious and holy word to every one of our hearts today. We welcome you all in the name of our Lord Jesus. We are again happy that you're here with us in the Lord's house. And if you are visiting with us for the very first time, or maybe you have come back again, you're very, very welcome in the Savior's precious and holy name. We're very happy to have Peter and Barbara Lynn Marshall visiting with us. They were in our church many, many years ago, and they were closely connected with uh, our brother, uh, Reverend John Bodner, and they were part of his church, Hope Assembly Church, and uh, so they live out in Hamilton area, so they've made a long journey to come today, and we're very happy that they're with us in the house of the Lord, and that we rejoice with them, and had good fellowship with them in time past, saw them at the funeral just this past week for our brother Bodner. So we welcome them in the service today, and even if I don't have your name, I want you to know you're very, very welcome in the Lord's house, and I hope you'll be able to visit with us. Don't forget, we don't forget to welcome the folks online either. We're happy that you're here today. Congratulations to uh, the Cleland family. They had the rejoicing this past week that Luke, uh, Robin and Carol's son, and uh, Allie, their daughter-in-law, they had a little child, Rosemary, and we're very happy for you folks, and we pray the blessing of the Lord upon you. And then also Lydia and Lou, I see you, also had the joy. Uh, their, their son and daughter-in-law, well, they had a child, Silas, and he was born just uh, two days ago, and so that's an encouraging thing, and we want to pray for these families and these little ones that the Lord's hand would be very much upon them. But mixture with happiness, there is sadness, and I prayed also for our brother Andre Lyons today and the loss of his grandmother in Jamaica, and uh, he's making plans to go down to that funeral in the next little while, so we want to pray for them. And also, I did not mention last week, but uh, Jonathan Wilson was here with us last week, and his father, Adolphus, uh, they were, he was not here, but uh, Jonathan's mother uh, passed away very suddenly a couple of weeks ago, and they had a memorial service for her just last Saturday. And so we want to, again, commit, commit our brother Jonathan and his whole family uh, to the Lord, please, in prayer. Remember Anna Tan in your prayers. Our sister was hoping to be in the service today, but uh, she could not be here. And also our sister Isabel and Glynn. We want to remember these ones very much in our prayers. Anna is here. There she is way over there. I'd missed her. Okay. <laughs> there she is, Anna. Well, we're very happy Anna's back with us. She had surgeries, been out of commission for uh, some time. But Anna, we're thankful that you're in the Lord's house with us today, and our prayers continue for you. 
Please remember the outreach cards that we have showed you back as the, well, just in the springtime, I suppose, we had these printed, and uh, they're there for your distribution and giving out, and they're being mailed out now around the entire community of Malvern, and that's going to be happening in this next week, I believe. So let's be in prayer about these cards as they go into the houses, into the apartment buildings, the condos, and that's one place that we can't get into when you're doing door-to-door dropping off of the cards and that outreach. And so let's pray that the Lord will really bless these cards and the gospel that's on there and the gospel message that can be uh, downloaded from the QR code that the Lord would use and bless these forms of outreach. Well, we have a, a, a birthday greeting today. Our sister Hyacinth had a very notable birthday yesterday, and uh, she's very happy about that. And our sister Chloe is going to have the same notable birthday, but that's next few days, next week. And uh, I just want you to know, Hyacinth, that I have, a, I have a slightly used birthday card that might be suitable for you. And I was, it, it just has a few markings on it. We could repurpose it. That would be all right. The only problem is it has 39 candles on it. That might be too many for you, so that might not be of such use. But we're happy that uh, you're, you're with us, and Cliff as well, and also Chloe. And we wish you all the best in your uh, birthday years, and there'll be many more that you will have and be able to enjoy as well. Remember our services today. At 5.50, we have our pre-service prayer time. At 6.30, our evening service. And as I've said a few times, our evening services are completely different from the morning services, and we invite you to be back with us if you can and enjoy time around the Word of God. On Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time will be at 7.30, and uh, next Lord's Day, our Bible classes at 9.50, and our morning and evening services 11 and 6.30. And you're welcome at any of these services. Please note that next Lord's Day, being the first Lord's Day of the month, we have our communion service after the evening time. We do this every once in a while, every several months. So be next Lord's Day, there will be the evening communion service. And I I get ahead of myself a little bit, but tonight after the evening service, we'll be having our fellowship time That's our monthly fellowship time, some refreshment after the evening service. And so please, whatever team member is on, you remember that and everyone to be prepared for a good time of fellowship uh, tonight. Please remember in prayer our upcoming presbytery and prayer that will be taking part in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, October the 2nd to the 6th and appreciate your prayers as the responsibilities of moderator are upon me. And also I have to bring a devotional message to the ministers and elders on the Wednesday of that week. And I'll be also speaking in the Winston-Salem Church on the following Lord's Day. So much appreciate your prayers. And then another advance announcement has to do with the Port Hope 30th anniversary services. And that will be at the end of October. And right in the middle of that week, there is also the American Council of Christian Services uh, Churches meeting. That will be in Kittery in Maine. And I've been invited to speak at that service as well. So there's a lot of things happening, 
and we'll greatly appreciate your prayers for all of these things. Sometimes your head spins as you're trying to keep them all in order, and uh, we want to thank you for your prayers and remember all of us and many of our elders and deacons with many things going on as well as our school. This is an advanced announcement for the Ladies' Bible Study. Ladies' Bible Study will recommence on October the 31st. That's a Tuesday. And ladies, you've been, some of you have been asking about that. And if you would like to be a part, it's a Zoom Bible study. And you could be a part of that. And you just have to speak to one of our men at the back to be sure your name gets on the email list and you'll get those announcements. Let's continue, please, in our praise to the Lord now with number 173. 173. Our great high priest, our Lord Jesus, he is at the Father's right hand, and that's cause for us to be greatly praising Him. In 173, we'll stand pleased to sing. Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles now to the book of Acts, chapter 1. The book of Acts, chapter 1. <clears throat> We're reading the first 14 verses. When Luke, who is the author by the Holy Spirit of the book of the Acts of the Apostle, and also, of course, his gospel, he addresses both of these to 
a man called Theophilus. Theophilus is not known who he was. His name is important because it is really the friend of God. And whatever connection that Luke had with this man and whatever his standing was in the Christian community at the time, he was obviously a notable character. And so as Luke addresses this to him, to his attention, and to those that were under his care. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem about a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip, and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Let's ask the Lord's help, please, to understand and speak his word today. Our Father, we return again to this very familiar portion of the word, and yet we don't want to think, Lord, that we have ever come to the depth of its value we have ever been able to completely draw out all that we are to learn. For, Lord, we know that we have much to learn, 
And I pray today for the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to speak that word faithfully and clearly. And I ask, Lord, that everyone here and watching online would also receive the Word of God with joy and with its effectual power to the heart. Lord, I pray today for those who are unsaved, they would come to taste and see of the Lord's goodness for them. So, Father, hear our prayer today and bless us now. I pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're thinking today in our services around verse 11 primarily in this very important passage of the Word, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? For this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen Him go into heaven. The subject is Christ's ascension and His return to earth again. This part of the Scripture we have in front of us is the only recorded eyewitness account of the ascension of Christ into heaven. It was shown to the apostles as they listened to the final commandment of Jesus to them about going and spreading His Word to their locality and then into all the world. And this final command that was given to them was just prior to the ascension of Christ. This is a very important part of the gospel. It's one of the elements, though, that has not been given as much attention as the cross, nor of the resurrection of our Lord. And yet all of these doctrines are so important. They are central to the work that our Lord came to do, and certainly of His redemption. And that's why they have all been very viciously attacked by Satan and by all of his so-called ministers. The cross has been mocked as the end of a noble prophet who ultimately failed in his purpose of redeeming humanity, well, because it was based on a failed attempt, and he ended up dying. The idea was of dying in substitution for another man's sins. And it was all seen to be a failure. The resurrection of Christ has also been scorned. It has been attacked. And some have mocked it as being just an imaginary thing, something made up by the apostles, the disciples. Or as one heretic, David Jenkins, wrote and said, it was a conjuring trick with bones. And he was the Bishop of Durham in the UK back in the 1980s. But that guy is not alone in the way in which other infidels also have denied Jesus that He actually rose bodily from the tomb. 
Some say that He rose spiritually, and His presence is with us today, but He did not rise bodily from the tomb. And so the idea of a spiritual resurrection of Jesus would be, well, a little bit akin to when a loved one passes away from us, and we might say, oh, their memories are still with us today. Their spirit is still among us, and they remain in our hearts, and so on, the way people talk. The theologian Louis Burkhoff wrote this. He said, The atoning work of Christ, if it was to be effective at all, had to terminate not in death, but life. Furthermore, it was the Father's seal on the completed work of Christ, the public declaration of its acceptance. In it, Christ passed from under the law, Finally, it was His entrance on a new life as the risen and exalted head of the church and the universal Lord. But likewise, the ascension of Christ has been attacked, presenting it more as a wishful vision of those who were indoctrinated by a type of guru you know, the disciples, the apostles, they followed this man Jesus for three and a half years, and they were so brainwashed by His teaching, they followed Him and they were mesmerized by Him, and therefore they just did and thought whatever He told them to think, and they would say, there's no hard evidence, the whole matter is dismissed, therefore, as a fairy tale. Now, while the Savior being taken up to heaven, does not receive as much attention as the resurrection, it is still essential. And I trust today we will gather a little more of how important it is. It's, in one sense, a finishing touch on the gospel building, a fitting completion to His earthly mission. Don't forget that a conclusion to His earthly mission, the ascension of the Lord to heaven. And to the discerning historian, the events of the life of Jesus of Nazareth and the impact that it had on the followers of the Lord, and then upon the spread of the gospel to the entire world, and the claims of the Bible. You put all these things together. You begin to amass the external evidences and proofs. The very existence of the Bible. The impact that Jesus had on the New Testament apostles. And the spread of the Gospel message. And the impact of the Christian message upon the world to this very day. The claims of the Bible and all must be met honestly. And when that happens, the conclusions lead to the divine, to the acknowledgement that there is a divine hand at work here. A divine hand of which the ascension and the return of Jesus Christ to this world is a vital part. And friend, if you're not a believer today, you're not a Christian, you're here in the church or you're listening online, 
And what we are talking about today is of vital importance for you, and I encourage you to pay attention, because just as Jesus Christ was a real man that lived upon this earth, and that died upon the cross, and that rose from the dead, He ascended to glory, and He's coming back again. The Bible is absolutely clear on that. There is no equivocation. And therefore, friend, it's essential that you are ready. You are ready for your death or for the Savior's return. Because in both points, if you are not a follower of Christ, if you're not saved by His grace, then you will be lost for all eternity. There is no such thing as a second chance. When Christ comes back again, some people think, well, then I will make my appeal to Him. Then I will accept Him and believe in Him. No, friend, it is too late. When Jesus comes back, it is the end and the closing of the door of any gospel hope. And so, friends, think carefully and pay attention, please, to the message that we have for you today. The first thought is this. The ascension of Jesus Christ, it marked the end of our Lord's life of humiliation. When the Son of God, when He left heaven and descended to this world to take up human flesh and became a man, it marked the completion of that eternal plan that the second person of the Trinity took humanity to Himself. God of very God was made in the likeness of sinful flesh when He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. The incarnation of Christ was unlike anything that had ever happened before and that will ever happen again. The Lord Jesus was born into a poor family, and He lived a very simple life in Palestine so that He could accomplish His Father's will in the redemption of a sinful humanity. And all the events throughout His short life on earth, living among sinful God-rejecting people, being accused and abused and scorned and scoffed and ridiculed and rejected and blasphemed and tortured and crucified and buried. And all part of His humiliation which the Lord Jesus Christ endured for us. He endured that for you, friend, today. He went through that all. And He took upon Him the form of a servant that was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. And He suffered for sin, but not for His own. For He never committed any sin. In Him there was no unrighteousness. The hymn writer wrote, He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set Him free. But He died alone for you and for me 
friend, as the feet of Jesus Christ lifted from the earth, He was returning to His Father, His only begotten Son, returning victorious after the battle and with the honor of having done all the will of His Father. The Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And those human feet that carried the Messiah throughout all the the long and the dusty roads of Palestine, they were carrying a man. Not a spirit, not a phantom, not a force, but a real physical human being. And it is important to emphasize this for some heretics, the same ones that have denied the bodily resurrection of Christ, they will also deny His bodily ascension into heaven. Now, there's no doubt that the resurrection of Christ altered His body to take on spiritual properties. And those spiritual properties, they prepared Him for the reception of heavenly glory. In this body that He rose from the dead in, He could go through closed doors. He was able to move locations instantly. And yet at the same time, He said to His disciples, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And this was in His after His post-resurrection appearance to His disciples. So His resurrected body had properties both physical and spiritual. Which properties... Every one of us as born-again believers will have on that day when we rise up to return to be with Christ forever and forever. The doctrine of the bodily ascension of Christ is of vital importance for us, friends, because our mortal bodies must put on immortality Our corrupting bodies will one day be like our Lord's risen body, prepared for heaven. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said the body, our natural body, it's sown as a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. It is sown in corruption, but it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, of the natural, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, which is the eternal, the non-corrupting aspect of our bodies. Ah, friends, this is what we look forward to in these aging frames that we have. We are going down the hill. We are getting older We are not getting younger in the physical body, but there is coming a day 
when that will be changed and transformed. We come back to think about our Lord Jesus and what He did in taking upon Himself a human frame. For the Savior was returning to heaven different from when He left heaven. Now He is the God-man. He had taken our human nature to Himself. But friends, it was not just for 33 years. It was for 33 years plus eternity that our Lord Jesus has taken and is now the God-man. Have you thought about this? Have you pondered what it means and why He did this? As I was preparing this message and I came to this thought, I, I just had to stop, put the pen down, stop the computer, and just said, Lord, would You help me to have some understanding of the weight of this thought? That our Lord Jesus took upon Him my nature. He became a man. And now He continues to be both God and man for all eternity. He is like His brethren. He made Himself like His creation in order that He could redeem His creation. How do you describe what love is? Is that not a description that goes beyond all definition? My friend, so much does Christ love you that He died in your place that you might have life and that we today can rejoice in that eternal life. We give thanks this morning for His goodness to us and we praise Him for all He has done. The ascension of our Lord it marked the end of our Lord's humiliation as His feet lifted from the earth and He went toward glory. There was a conclusion of the humiliation that He suffered when He came down to this world to go into our place and to die for us. But the ascension also, it was the fulfillment of His promise to prepare a place for us in glory. The comforting words, aren't they, of John 14, when the disciples had been told that Jesus was going to leave them and they could not follow Him. And they were distressed about that, and so the Lord spoke some very comforting words. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And here's the point. I go, he said, to prepare a place for you. Preparing a place. It's hard for us to really conceive because 
when we think of heaven as a perfect place, which it is, what kind of preparations would have to be done that the Lord had not already done? And yet, very clearly, the Lord Jesus is giving us this picture of what He is going to do in making ready for us. And the idea is, if you had and knew a great gathering were coming to a convocation, and you were inviting them all to your home, and it was a massive home, and there were many people coming, and you would go ahead of them, and you would make all the preparations necessary so that when your guests come, they would not see you scurrying around, but they would see you standing at the door waiting to welcome them in. All preparations have been made. And this picture is for us as we know there is a wedding feast in glory prepared for us. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And that wedding feast that is ready for us and being prepared for all God's people to come, for every saint, for everyone who has been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. And our Savior has gone to glory to make preparation. No longer is there humiliation here. No longer will there be any suffering of our Lord. No longer is there any death upon a cross. No, He is now gone to make preparation for all whom He has redeemed. And those preparations are so important for us. And now we imagine what heaven will be like. Sometimes you sit back and think, what will we be doing in heaven for millions upon millions of years? What will it look like? Where will we be? What were the mansions that the Lord Jesus talked about? What does that mean? How will it be represented? Well, quite frankly, we do not know. But we know this, that God, who is the infinite and eternal God that has made heaven for us His people, that we are never going to get bored there. Let me tell you that. It's never going to come to a point where you say, I've spent enough time here. I'd like to try something new. The Lord knows how to satisfy His people. And He will satisfy us with His presence and with His glory and with all the splendors of what He is as our infinite God. And we must leave it there and say, Lord, You know, and though I do not know, but my friend, an integral part of this is Christ's ascension to glory is because He has gone there to make preparation for His people. And you know, it's encouraging for us because this earth is not our home. We are like Abraham who was seeking for a city that had foundations. And he was on a journey. He was like a nomad. He, he moved with camels in a tent, and that's what he lived in. And in that sense, our place on earth we are citizens of another place. And so we are on a journey. We're traveling. And we're in one sense living out of suitcases. And we have to do our laundry in the sink, as you might have done when you're on your holidays or on your travel somewhere. Yes, friends, this world is not our home. And we are passing through. We are seeking the eternal city the glory which God has for us 
And therefore, we are like transients. We're foreigners. We're just travelers heading to a promised destination. That's where we're going. In the Father's house, it is before us. And the full satisfaction of the heart and of our eternal rest, it'll all be there. One commentator said this, the Father's house was before them and before Him. The full satisfaction for the heart where rest will be eternal and the reality transcends the shadows. No longer will it be some misty misunderstanding, but we will know the reality of it. And our Savior has ascended to glory in order that He will prepare for us that home. So His ascension, it marked the end of His humiliation. It marked His preparation for glory. And in the third point today, in the final one, Christ's ascension to glory commenced His high priestly ministry. In theological terms, this is called the session at the Father's right hand. The session. What does that mean? It means the appointed time. The appointed time between His going up to heaven and when He is going to return back to earth again. And the time of His session at the right hand of the Father, it was when our Lord Jesus is unceasingly in His presentation of His own merit on behalf of His people. So all that Jesus Christ did on the cross, all that He obtained for us, all the presentation of His merit to His heavenly Father in completing His will, in living a holy life for us, in dying for us, and making atonement for our sins, He now is in glory. What's He doing? He is involved in interceding for His people. He is presenting the value and the merit of all He has done for us before His Father. It is when He takes up the needs of His servants here on earth, but not just His servants, friends, His brothers and His sisters, and He pleads them at the right hand of His Father. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, it says this, Wherefore, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Our Lord Jesus is in glory today, and He has you upon His mind. He has you, believer, on His heart. He has us as we are engraven in His hands. The right hand of God, it is the place of authority and honor. 
In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, "...who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high." But friends, don't mistake this. The idea of Christ ascending and going to glory and sitting down at the right hand of His Father, it doesn't mean that He is somewhat restricted or inactive. No, in no way. He is always, He always has an ear. An ear of His Father. And whatever He presents is granted to Him. It is a way of saying that our Lord Jesus is worthy to receive all the praise that the King of kings deserves. And that He is active today in the government and protection and provision of His church. That's what He's doing. The Lord Jesus, though He might be removed in one sense bodily, Yet He is most active in His church as He is the great governor and head of the church. In the purpose of God, Christ was to leave earth in His bodily presence and send the Comforter. And the Comforter's work was to show the very person and work of the Lord Jesus through the Scriptures. And so what we are doing today, as we have the Bible open, and by the Spirit's direction, we are showing you from the Scripture what it is to learn more of Christ, what He has done for us, and what He is still doing for us in glory. Friend, there is no need for us to be ever in a sense of depression or despair because our Lord Jesus is overseeing the minute details of our lives. He is governing. He is protecting. He is providing for us. The reason why the Father has chosen this plan and this way and all the details of it, it's His sovereign business. I mean, why did the Lord Jesus ascend bodily up to heaven? Well, we can put the pieces of the puzzle together and see that this step will happen and then the next step will happen. But why the Lord has done it in all this way, we must leave to Him. It's not our business. And we must walk and rest in faith and trust that His ways are the best and that we will go forward. But how? Will we go forward in anxiety and depression and troublesome? And No. We are to go forward with this knowledge in joy and peace, trusting in Him. That's how. And though our Lord, He is not bodily present on earth with us, He is yet very much spiritually present with us. And through the operation of the Holy Spirit too, He promises where two or three are gathered in His name, He is one of our number. And so we are two or three here today. The Savior is with us in spirit. And He is paying, friends, meticulous attention to all that's going on in His church. 
He is not an absentee governor. He is our ever-present Redeemer and Lord. And let that truth encourage your heart this morning. Let it lift your soul up. Therefore, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of our need. Be encouraged. Our names are engraven on the hands of our Lord, and He bears them continually before our Father in heaven. And our needs are not missed, and they are not forgotten. They may not just come as we think they should or in our time, but friends, today we rest in that. So we conclude this morning with this. Think of these three things. We have ample evidence to believe. And I put this to you today because you were not there to see the Lord dying on the cross. You were not there to see Him rise from the dead or ascend to glory. You were not there to see that. But we have ample evidence as there are times when the devil will bring doubts to your Christian mind and heart. And sometimes, perhaps more so in younger believers, because they have experienced the joy of forgiveness of sins and of salvation, but as time goes on a bit, we can begin a bit, well, is all this for real? And the devil's pounding at your life. He's pounding at your heart. He wants you to doubt. And yet we come back to the solid foundation of God's objective truth. We come back to the Scriptures, and we must deal honestly and even look objectively at them as much as we can and say, Lord, this Word has not come here by accident, and I want to be anchored in the foundation of Scripture. And so we have ample evidence that been given to us to believe. And so when you sometimes get shaky knees or weak feet, friends, come back to the Scripture again and just seek the Lord to reinforce His foundation truth in your heart. And then also, we have God's promise that Christ will return. He has gone up to glory, and as the two men that stood by all the eleven disciples, apostles, and said, why are you gazing up toward heaven? It's kind of one of those rhetorical questions. Well, um, uh, yeah, I'm gazing because this is a very stupendous event that's just all happening right now. Of course I'm looking up to heaven. But the meaning was, don't be dreamingly watching to the vanishing Christ. He's given you all that you need. Get to work now. Get to work in doing what He's called us to do. And we have the promise that as this same Jesus which has been taken up from you will so come again in like manner. He has bodily ascended and He will most definitely bodily descend back to earth again. Our Lord is coming back. We'll be thinking more about that in our evening service tonight in part two of the message. But finally, in the conclusion tonight, today, we have the assurance that Christ is praying for us. I leave that thought with you this morning. Your Lord is praying for you. Sometimes you tell a friend you're praying for them. That's a good thing. But if you say that, make sure you do it. Don't just say that to be polite. If you're not going to pray for somebody, don't tell them you're going to pray for them. But if you do, pray for them. But even at that, we become weak 
and we forget, and we go on about our life. But I tell you today, your Lord never forgets you. And He is praying for you always. He's presenting the value of His merit and sacrifice to His Father continually. Let us therefore rejoice in that, give thanks, and praise our God for all that He has given uh, to us. We want to close our service this morning by singing 189. 189. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I will be there. Friend, will you be there? You have to know Christ as your Savior in order to be with Him at that day. Let's stand please to sing. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, for the truth, the blessings that You have given to us in Your Word, and how we have been at times so negligent to take them into our hearts. But I pray, Lord, that the longer we go on with You, that we will know the blessing of the Spirit of God 
revealing greater things of our Lord Jesus to our hearts. Strengthen us with might in the inner man. Bless us, Lord, today. And once more, we do ask for any who are without Christ that today they would repent of their sin and call upon Him as their Savior. Part us, Lord, with Your rich blessing. We pray today we might be coming back to the house of prayer tonight. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen.